Lucy on his left foot. Lucy! A lob from outside the arc atop the box. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the CPR Newsroom presented by Volkswagen Week 5 in Season 5. I am Christian Jack, and for the next 45 minutes or so, we'll recap a record-breaking Week 5 in Season 5 of the Canadian Premier League as we got to see 19, that's right, 19 goals scored in just the four games. And if you're thinking that's high, you are right. It is a record, the most goals ever scored in a four-match week since the Canadian Premier League began. The look at the results over the weekend, if you missed any of them, it started on Saturday in Hamilton, and we had some glorious weather across this wonderful country that certainly helped as well. Forge were on the right side of a five-goal thriller as they beat Valor by three goals to two. Jordan Hamilton, Kyle Becker, and Kwesi Poku, the goal scorers for the Hammers, and Kian Williams and Abdu Samaki responded for a very good, resilient Winnipeg-based team. We'll get into that later. Another four-goal thriller in Calgary as Cavalry threw Ali Moussi and Amaya Bevan penalty goals sandwiched Theo Colomb and Zach Fernandez's goals. So Cavalry and Halifax drew 2-2. Uh, talking of five, wow. It was a five-star performance by Atletico Ottawa as they won 5-0 at Vancouver. Goals from Oli Bassett, Samuel Salter, Noah Verhoeven, Zach Verhoeven, and Zachary Bahus. And then Pacific FC continued their impressive run. In fact, they became the first CPL team ever to win back-to-back games by four goals to one. This time they did it against York United, Emir Didic, Manny Aparicio, David Brazo, and Easton Ongaro. Kevin Dos Santos responded from a corner for York United. For the second for the second successive week, we start our newsroom show in Langley, BC, but very different reason than the week previous. A week is a long time in football, and so it proved for expansion side Vancouver Football Club. The story here, though, was Atletico Ottawa finally awakening from their early season slump. Let's bring in our very own Mitchell Tierney, our correspondent on this one. Mitch, you've watched this team really closely a lot this season, Atletico. Um, there were some signs I was there at the semifinal. Both of us were where they got beat on penalties by Forge. Some of the players were disappointed to lose, but there were signs of improvement. Uh, but I don't think anyone saw this coming. Let's get into it. Let's play the highlights for those watching live on YouTube. Overall, what number out of 10 would you give this one in terms of its compelling compelling factor and why? What did you like about it? I'll give it a massive 8 out of 10. I think uh, this was probably the most one-sided match we've seen from any side this season. And, you know, obviously, like we said, Atletico Ottawa looking for their first win this season. How about, how about a club record 5-0 victory um, to, you know, build up some some positive momentum for the 2022 regular season champs. Um you know, just an excellent performance from start to finish. You get that opening goal at long last if you're Ottawa, but then they don't sit back. They push forward, get another and another and another and another. I think I got all the anothers in there. Just about, um, yeah. yeah, just about. But uh, 
yeah, and then obviously on a Vancouver side of things, after the the highs of the home opener, um, maybe really brought back down to earth in this one and second best in, in just about everything on on Saturday. So a lesson for them, but um, you know, a lesson well taught by uh, an Ottawa side who just looks so rejuvenated. Yeah, they were very, very good in this game. It started early. Uh, a reminder, put your questions in the chat. If you're watching us live, we'll get to these. Um, Otto from Ottawa says, huge goal for Sam Salter for Atletico. will do wonders for his confidence. Uh, that's a great point, by the way, because, I mean, if, if Atletico Ottawa had won 5-0, it would have been almost classed as a perfect game. But if Sam Salter had not scored again, I'm sure many people would have said, can we please get a goal for Sam Salter? Um, so a great, great for him. He also says, how many goal contributions do you think Salter needs to justify being the CPL's first interleague transfer? He goes with 10. Uh, I don't think there's a real number. I just think he needs to just continue to be the player that he is. Let's get into this, though. The fact that he's got the goal now helped. But I think the first one, Mitch, was the big one. Bassett scored a goal very similar to a goal he scored last year at Tim Hortons Field where he goes mm -hmm. near post and blasts it at that, on, on that right-hand side. The previous six games this season, in all competitions, they had been conceded. They'd conceded first. They'd been scored upon first. This time it wasn't. You read. You wrote about it in your analysis. You put the early goal allows the freedom of attack. What worked well for this team to allow them to settle after Bassett's early goal? Yeah, I think it was both the the mental and stylistic freedom that it gave them. Obviously, you know we've seen moments in basically every match they've played where they've been on the front foot and in possession have looked quite good and, and creating chances but that's always come after they're down one you know sometimes two three goals um so then it's you know it's it's almost expected the other team can sit a little bit further back and there's not that's that same space um you know so i thought uh, that obviously went well for them yeah. Yeah. one of the things was Gotti talked kind of pre-match about how he wanted his team to really be on the front foot and maybe you know that's another thing that that benefits Ottawa on the road is the home team's always looking to you know be the protagonist of the match so they can build on that. I do think one thing that helped them was the Gabby Vitar injury and they had to keep him off the field a little bit so they're able to do after that goal play 11 versus 10 for a little bit and uh, that just allowed them to control possession but from there um, just excellent the the tempo that they're able to to keep up and another thing is able to finally get Ollie Bassett in, in such good positions on the field they, they haven't been able to do that quite this season the the midfield balance maybe has, has been a little off at times so that was important and one final thing they're wide forwards they were able to get them inside they created overloads in the middle you really see that on the on the first goal in the way to Santos kind of tucks in and plays the one-two with Bassett. Um, they did that really well. So that kind of dragged out the, the Vancouver defenders, gave Salter some position. And so a lot to, to like about Ottawa's performance. A lot to like about it. Their first win, also their first clean sheet in the league. That was certainly on the mind of their boss, Carlos Gonzalez. Now for me, it's more important the clean sheet than the five nil, you know, the five goals. I think that we should build from, from that consistency in defense without conceding and, and being solid. I think that this is the key the key point for a, for a team that wants to fight for big things. You know, if we are not consistent, if we are not solid, if we don't defend well, it's going to be tough. Mitch, time for our usual segment, a list of the greats who stood out above the rest. And did you include any defenders in there, considering Carlos was delighted with the lack of chances given up by his team? I didn't really, and I think that's because they really defended from the front foot in this match. A lot of it was about how they were able to possess the ball um, and create chances the other way that that really kept Vancouver at bay. Um, 
so I've gone with Ollie Bassett, obviously. That's that's an obvious uh, pick, you know, a vintage performance from him, early goal, uh, early assist, created some other chances. Um, Jean-Anne LSE was another player I really liked mm-hmm. to, you know, I think finally showed maybe that confidence in the final third. As well as, um, you know, just, just solid overall. He won back possession 11 times. Um, and Sam Salter, you know, finally consistently got himself into that those dangerous areas in the box that they need Sam Salter to get into. Obviously, his goal will do wonders for his confidence, um, as Artur said. But, you know, kind of the evolution of, of this Ottawa side, something Carlos Gonzalez has talked about, is, is you can't just put those players into the same positions and expect them to perform the way right. And Bellu did last season. It's about playing to those players' strengths. And I think they did a better job of that in this match where it was more, you know, cutbacks and um, balls into Salter running late versus, you know, just trying to lump it forward to him and and finding him in the positions where Wright would have done last season. So I, I liked that from Ottawa and I liked his performance. And then Zach Verhoeven off the bench. He, he's one of those players who last year as well um, provided some winning moments. And, you know, he really didn't let Ottawa's foot off the, the throat of Vancouver coming on, scoring and assisting immediately. So fantastic performance from him again. Yeah, I like those picks, all of those. One player I will throw out there who I think has been very good for them so far this season is Luke Singh. I and mean, you mentioned him a couple of times already this year. I thought he was magnificent against Forge in the Cup uh, and again started in, in this one. So he had a really good game again as they helped them get to the clean sheet. Okay, that's the Atletico Ottawa point. We've given a lot of love to Vancouver Football Club so far through four weeks and they've had a lot of reasons to be given that. This did not go their way. Before we hear Mitch's take, let's go back to the Langley Event Center and hear from their gaffer. Here's Ashwin Gopi. I think for me, it just feels like uh, we left our heart last the last weekend in the pitch. Um, we uh, showed uh, probably something I never expected. Uh, in every department, we didn't show anything and we were very poor. Uh, uh, we lost concentration, we lost organization. Uh, they were, we were always second best in every duel and every race. Uh, and I think uh, part of it has a lot to do with our youth. Once we took a, a first goal and then the second goal, uh, all of a sudden, for the first time in, in our season, we've been down 0-2. And we tried in the halftime to talk about it and find solutions. And then that third goal uh, was the backbreaker that uh, came from a mistake. And then uh, I think our team just fell apart as a whole. Um, I'm more worried about uh, the, the injuries to uh, Caden Chung and, uh, and Gabby. I think we will recover from the 0-5. Uh, these are uh, great lessons for us. Uh, I even remember Man United this year uh, losing Bake, uh, uh, and I, I know Liverpool many times, and some big clubs sometimes have games like that. It was one of those days everything they hit went in the goal and everything we did was wrong. So um, I'm... I'm confident that we can recover and uh, and have a good week of session uh, training and come back uh, a different team. As usual, he found the right words at the right moment. I, we left our heart on the pitch from last week. Mitch, you can never replicate the moment that you start the first ever franchise at home, the atmosphere, the 6,000 fans. And, and I guess in many ways, the schedule could have been kind of them to send them away and then bring them back. But having back-to-back games to them scoring, you know, Ottawa scoring so early, losing key players to suspension and injury, throw it all in the pot. And in the end, it wasn't a great day. Was it a fair assessment from Ashford? Yeah, and I like that he didn't pull any punches. I, I like that he, you know, like you mentioned, he could have made more of those excuses. He could have said, you know, we didn't have Rocco Romeo today. Gabby Batar gets injured early. But this is a side that really hides 
holds itself to those high standards despite being an expansion side. And I, I like that from him. Um, you know, he also apologized to the fans um, for, for the way the team performed on, on the, on the match, you know, like he said, second best to everything. And that was true. Um, so yeah, I, I like the way he, he assessed this match. And I think that that's what you need from, from a coach like that with an expansion side is to continue to hold them to, to those high standards. And, you know, when they have a, a, bad afternoon you know i don't think he was overly critical he could have given it the hairdryer treatment but he was like okay we'll learn from this we'll move on and uh yeah in, into next week I'm, I'm very difficult next week as, as we'll mention against forge that that could be a you know that it's out of the frying pan into the whatever the the saying is there but uh yeah a very tough one for for vancouver obviously coming up you have me stuck on the hairdryer comment because the only hairdryer treatment Ashford's getting is actually to his beautiful hair, which it looked like he went that week to the barbershop and had it all done nicely. So um, that, that's the only issue that we had there. I, I, can't, I can't see Ashford giving it to his players that way, but maybe, maybe we'll, we'll see that. You mentioned it. All right, fifth and final burning question for you on this. What's next for these two um, as we look ahead to next week, week six in the CPL? Yeah, Vancouver FC, they're, they're um, away in Hamilton on Friday and a match where, you know, I think we'll learn a lot about this side, um, but they have the perfect blueprint from from Ottawa, the way that they were able to bounce back from an awful performance against Pacific and, and you know, have a historic performance against uh, against Vancouver. So uh, they just need to look across the pitch and, and see what they can do in order to, to get back um, to you know, the performances they want. And then for Athletic Ottawa, they're on the road again, uh, going into Atco Field, obviously a, a difficult place to play. But, you know, after a performance like this, they'll be well comfortable and well up for another uh, road outing. Yeah, and Athletic Ottawa have fond memories of playing at Atco Field and scoring a bunch of goals last year a couple of times. Uh, thanks, Mitchell. We always appreciate it. Continue to read his fine work at campiel.ca and we'll chat with you next week. Next, we go to the aforementioned Tim Hortons Field and a clash between two teams that have already shared time at the top of the table. Forge of Hamilton against Valor of Winnipeg. And it did not disappoint. Let's bring in our own Charlie O'Connor-Clark, who was our correspondent for the game in Hamilton on a glorious Saturday afternoon off the pitch. And it turned out, Charlie, to be a glorious one for the neutral on it. It was a sensational game. Uh, Overall, did it meet your requirements? I know you give high standards in terms (laughs) of what you make, but what number are you going to give this one for a compelling factor? What did you enjoy? Yeah, this was great. So Mitchell gave the the Vancouver Ottawa game an eight. So I think I have to start at an eight and a half, 8.5, because... uh, as a neutral, you love a game with five goals, but you love it even more when it's actually competitive and both teams are involved in those five goals. Um, this game had had so much. It was wide open in the second half, which I don't think anybody really expected considering how hot it really was on the turf down there. Sometimes those games get a little bit cagey as, as players start tiring, but there were goals, there was attacking quality, there was lead changes. It was a, it was a lot of fun at Tim Hortons Field. Yeah, a lot of fun. And I guess... You know, what we've seen so far in the CPL is that leads are not safe. You know, we've seen yeah. even a short amount of goals that earlier we exploded this year. But you saw here two teams that had leads, gave them back, and then another one that got one back again. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is uh, starting to become something that Forge are, are maybe surprisingly, uh, maybe surprisingly, and I say that because they don't often fall behind, but they've uh, shown pretty much every time this year that if they fall behind, they... Uh, it's sort of a wake-up call to them and they come back and score on you immediately. Mm. So I don't know whether that's uh, teams that are scoring on them are, are suddenly very vulnerable in the couple minutes after that or if it's Forge stepping it up another gear. But 
yeah, there's there's just a lot of energy in this match, especially in that second half after a goal was scored. Both teams were were really looking for something out of this match, and it was a, a very competitive one. I'm going to get into that, what you mentioned there about the mentality and the resilience in a second. And we're also going to give some love to Valor, who deserve it, a little bit of their, their flowers in this piece as well. But I want to talk about Forge's tactical identity. We'll probably be working on something on campio.ca ahead of their semifinal next week against Montreal about this. But we've seen them live a lot lately. I know you have as well. This mm -hmm. time you wrote about it in your analysis, attacking wide areas. They kind of targeted that the week prior with York and they switched players over at different sides. That you know, we it's the same old forge in terms of results. They're unbeaten in seven to start the season, but it almost seems very different narrative in terms of the way they're getting that success. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. I think tactically, uh, this year maybe more than than other years in just regular league games, we're seeing forge maybe adapt and change a little bit more frequently in games, depending on the situation of the match and the opponent. Uh, you know, the, their wins at Pacific and at York, we'd see them score in the first half and then maybe conserve a little bit more energy, sit a little bit further back at times and just really, as as Bobby Smirniotis would say, dominate defensively, dominate off the ball. This game, they had clearly identified uh, something they felt like that, that they could exploit in Valor, and that was, you know, Valor's fullbacks. Uh, Valor obviously have, you know, a, a lot a lot of attacking quality at the fullback position. Matteo de Brienne, we know how good a player he is going forward. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think maybe Forge felt that they could get in behind him when he did get forward. And that's pretty much how I, I think I think three of all three of their goals had uh, roots in that that sort of right space, right? Where uh, it, it'd be either Reza Rama cutting inside and and playing a pass back out wide, or he'd be, you know, sending the pass in and then running around de Brienne for for the, the other quick pass and they'd just be moving the ball very quickly into those areas right behind the fullback. And then they could send in that cross and, and they'd find the, the goal scorer in the box, which again, not, not easy to get open in the boxes forge so often are able to do, but yeah, it's, it's impressive to see how forge kind of adapt and, and maybe we'll have different little tactical tweaks, little uh, <laughs> tricks even in their tactical game plan in every match of, of specific things that they think that they can, that they can do against an opponent. And it's fascinating to see something that I think you can only really do if you're a team like Forge, where the players are already so familiar with each other and so familiar with the base tactical identity, they can start to expand it and, and, and build upon certain aspects of it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Tristan Borges, I feel like has played in three or four different positions already this season. Yeah. You know, we've had, you know, you've had Paseas and Campbell shift one side to the left, one on the on, through the middle different times. You know, they've had almost had a, an attacking identity of, of being 4-4-2, certainly without, without the ball at one point as well. So there's lots of different things. 12 goals now in, in all seven games that they've been unbeaten to start our 2023. Uh, but still, they feel like they can get more. And that yeah. was certainly on the mind of their head coach uh, and boss, Bobby Smidiotis, after this one. Entertaining football. I think that's what we're all about, usually. Uh, or we'd like uh, for it uh, to be a little bit uh, easier, but then we wouldn't be playing in against opponent. You know, I thought it was a good match overall. We played some good football. We've created, again, a lot of good opportunities in the final third. Yeah, we've scored three goals today, and I'm still going to say we need to be more clinical. 
More clinical indeed. Now, one player who continues to play in different positions this season, as we talked about their versatility, is the current CPL Defender of the Year, Alexander Ashnodi Janssen. We joke around a lot of times because whether we're allowed to call him a midfielder or not, it appeared after starting 27 games last season in defense that maybe his time in midfield was over, but he was back <laughs> there again and not the first time this season. Uh, afterwards, after the game, Charlie O'Connor-Clark, very much our own, caught up with Alexander Ashnodi Janssen. Post-game reaction brought to you by Allstate. Charlie O'Connor-Clark joined here on the pitch by Alex Ashenodi-Jonson. Uh, Forge beating Valor 3-2. Uh, it was a pretty tough game for you guys, so tell me about it. Yeah, no, I think we uh, we knew it was going to be tough going into it. We know that Valor plays with a lot of energy and a, and a high press, so it was about about playing quick and beating that. Um, in the end, we win with 3-2. I'm going to have to watch the, watch the game back to see really what we could have done better, but I'm sure we got a higher level than this. It's not the first time this season that you guys have fallen behind and come back and scored almost immediately. I mean, you did it against Cavalry here as well. Just tell me about you know what it says about your team that you're able to score so quickly. I think, uh, like you say, this year compared to last year when we when we go down, it doesn't affect us psychologically the same. We we have patience and and trust in what we do, and you can see that it pays off. Uh, this is what the third game in the league we uh, we come uh, come back from. Uh, from being down, so yeah. no, I think I think we've uh, we got that patience we didn't really have last year, and uh, we just got got trust in our game. Still, obviously undefeated in the league so far. I think Bobby would say it's your best start in in the CPL so far through five years. Uh, you guys have to be you know pretty happy with how things are going right now. Um, yeah, I'd say results we uh, we should be be happy with. Um, I I still like I said think we have more levels than this like. We need to, to find uh, the form we had last year when we went on a run. Uh, and I know it's there. I know we have the, I know we have the, all the pieces for it. But it's just about how we bring it out. You, you know, you, you talk. We talk about your position way too many times. But you know, you're in midfield today, um, and so is Kyle Becker, who you know obviously missed the first few games of the season. But it's got to be pretty great to be able to, to share a pitch in that midfield with him as well. Yeah, I know. Just in general, when you when you play with him, I think it's great. Even if I'm playing center back, his movements off the ball and his movement when he has got the ball as well, right? Uh, his fantastic passes. So it's good to see him back. We have we have a lot of good talent this, this year. Like we saw Noah Jensen stepped in when Absolutely. when Becker was gone, who's also a great player. So uh, it's, it's tough being a player in Fort FC right now because there's there's a lot of talent. Yeah, there there always is. There's always that depth and that uh, that helps you guys, but it doesn't necessarily give you a rest all the time. Uh, <laughs> We'll see as we go forward, man. But no, I'm I'm happy to every every time I touch the field, I'm I'm very happy that I get to do what I do. So I'm grateful. Absolutely, absolutely, Alex. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. A gracious and class act, Alexander Ashner Janssen, who cut his hair. So maybe he had the uh, Ashton got beat. I have to say, I have to say, I'm not sure about that one, Alex. Not I'm not sure about the new haircut, man. Really? You, you like the flowing locks? <laughs> I, I think have? I like the flow better, but you know what? Uh, it, maybe it'll, it'll grow on us. He's got that. It's that 2019 look again, no? That he had That's when he true. won the title. So he, uh, he's got that little bit. Look he's there. won three titles. Yeah, I know. But like, you know, it's not like it's, it's, he's gone back to something. that It's not like it's, it's something new, right? That's to true. jinx it. A uh, couple of things I want to mention on that interview. First of all, uh, if you were watching it live or you've seen it on social, there's tons of kids in the background. Uh, and if you if you're new to the Canadian Premier League, I'd say this about any venue, but 
the great thing about Tim Hortons Field is also after the game, they let kids on the pitch and it's pretty quick after and you can interact with mm. players, the players sign autographs. It's a wonderful family environment. So like anywhere you can go, you, you get this, but just, just check some CPL games out. Go there, take your kids, uh, very cheap in terms of the reasonable chance, you know, reasonable ticket prices and great atmosphere and the chance to get on the pitch, kick balls, play, you know, with bouncy castles and different inflatables on the pitch right after there was where the, you know, the, the professionals were playing is really unique. The other thing I want to mention there is the depth. Um, he just talked about it. It's pretty difficult to get in the team right now. The five players who came on for Forge as a sub, Ashton Morgan, Kwesi Poku, who scored, Alessandro Hajabapur, who might be one of the best midfielders in the CPL, uh, David Schwanier, I know he's just come back from injury, and Rubens Pasias. That's the five players, Charlie, came on. Um, so I'm going to go with resilience here as, as the third question for you. But resilience, depth, I guess it all kind of steps up that the fact that this Forge team is healthy right now, even though they're nowhere near the level, as Alexander Ashnodianson mentioned, the level that they want to be at. That's scary. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. And uh, it is obviously a, a blessing for them that they are so healthy at the moment. But like all five of those players, do they not start for any team in this league? Right, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but the, the resilience is huge too. I'm um, even, you know, Schwanier is, is involved in, I think, the second goal as well. He comes off the bench, I think, just like uh, maybe, e- maybe either just before or just after they conceded the equalizer. Um, there's just so much in the tank at this team. Uh, and if it is a hot day like it was on Saturday at Tim Hortons Field, they can bring these, these quality players onto the pitch, it, whether they need to see out a result or they need to find a goal. And that's a, a quality that forge have about them that that really no other team has to that extent and it is impressive to see them just continue to do this game after game yeah very impressive okay what about valor they were on the wrong end of this but they played their part as you alluded Mm -hmm. to off the top in the first question i said jordan hamilton said after the game in his post-match press conference that they are a significantly better team you can just tell that already that is a compliment itself considering how much changes they've had how many injuries they have. I mean, they have a ton of injuries. I mean, they played Dante Campbell in midfield. Uh, he used to play in midfield. He played him right back uh, on the weekend. You think about that Jordan Haynes only just came on. Matthew yeah. Chandler's out for the year. Pinelli's injured. Baccaro's out. John Baptiste is out. Rafa Heen's out. Marcelo Polisi's out. I could keep going on and on and on. Uh, I feel like Murray Walker in a 1985 F1 race with all these cars breaking down. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> what, what impresses you about them? Because they are in it. They're in every game. They are, they are, and they do not make it easy for another team. And Jordan Hamilton is absolutely right when he says that they are a lot better and more difficult to play against. Um, you know, Jordan has a great memory. I'm pretty sure he made his debut in Winnipeg for Forge last year, um, and he talked about how it's it's a tough place to play. And if that team is is continuing to improve, then they will be scary. They uh, they were direct, as I think you they probably know you need to be against Forge. You don't right. have a lot of time on the ball. You need to play it forward and attack. Uh, Pacific and Nyongabir, we just see again how incredible he is at driving that ball forward, and and that's where their first goal comes from, right? He they play the the quick free kick, he runs straight through midfield, and then he plays the the smart pass out to to his right to Keen Williams instead of the the maybe more obvious through ball to Anthony Novak, uh, and it goes in. And yeah, this this Valor team, they are going through it a lot they're fighting it they have some injuries i think they have like seven players who've started every league match for them mm-hmm. at the moment uh so there's not necessarily that same element of being able to rotate the squad or give players a bit of a rest there's not you know they're they're quality players on the bench 
you know, Jamie Siaj comes off the bench in this game, Yardaloa, uh, but maybe not as much uh, of a, of a game changing uh, aspect to their, their bench and, and what they're able to do late in the game. But there is a lot to like about the, the effort from these Valor teams and the way that they, they press at the right times, they win the ball and they play quite direct and, and intelligently forward as, as you kind of need to do on the road a lot of times against a team like Forge, you're going to have the ball a lot. Yeah, decent performance, even though it was their first loss. Here's their thoughts of that. Coach, here's Philip DeSantos. I hate to concede goals. Um, and I think that in a game where we didn't start great, we were still we were still um, well in the game. And then you get the goal and you get the lead, and it just felt like um, every time we got a goal, we allowed... Forge to get one right back, and we didn't manage the moments very well. But again, I wanna, I wanna stick to things that could affect immediately. And you know, you come here, you're able to, especially when we did the structural change, to uh, to stay on the ball, to threaten spaces that were targeted by us, and um, that are the DNA of this team. So um, again. I have to see the goals. I think it was defining moments today. Us not making plays that we need to make. Um, and for me, that was the biggest thing. When you come on the road here uh, and you score two goals, normally you need to win, at least not lose the game. Yeah, it's a really, really great point. Uh, Charlie mentioned it. The seven players that have played every game so far, started every game for them. I think it's quite clear that where the issues are when you read out what positions. I mean, Ryan Leslie's played every game in goal, but after that, it's midfielders Diego Gutierrez. It's midfielder Dante Campbell, who, by the way, will miss this week through suspension after he gets That's his right. fourth yellow. Um, it's, you know, Matteo Di Brienne, who's playing a little bit out of position. Pacific Nyongabere, Kian Williams, the attackers, and Anthony Novak. So they haven't had that stability in defense that they'll hopefully get back into that. Uh, we mentioned Campbell suspended for this weekend. We heard Mitchell talk a little bit about Vancouver's trip to Forge. So what is it uh, that you're looking forward to with these two teams ahead of what's coming up for week six in the CPL for these two, Charlie? Yeah, uh, as, as you mentioned, obviously Forge hosting Vancouver for the first time. It will be an interesting test for them and, and probably a, a challenge that Bobby will relish. He loves facing a new opponent. <laughs> I think I think sometimes he gets bored playing the same teams over and over. <laughs> uh, but they also, I believe, have a, a another game in the midweek that they might be thinking about as well <laughs> when they go to Montreal. Uh, but Valor, is, it's also a really, really big test for them, a difficult week because they have to host Pacific who, as I'm sure you're going to get to, are flying at the moment. And that is uh, not an easy game, so it will be a, a challenge for Phil DeSantis to uh, to try and try and set his team up in a way that they can maybe find an answer to that high-flying Pacific attack that you know York and, and Atletico Ottawa maybe didn't have in those mm-hmm. games. So there's plenty of evidence now, so uh, we'll, we'll see if, if they can do better than that. Yeah, that should be a great tilt as well. Looking forward mm-hmm. to doing that on One Soccer this weekend. All right, Charlie, we thank you. And as usual, catch Charlie's fine work at campiel.ca. We'll chat with you next week. A reminder, CPL Predictor is back, brought to you by our friends at Tony Bet. campiel.ca backslash predictor is where you can choose the correct scores. You could win up to $20,000 tickets to games. It's all there on the site. Next, we move on to Calgary, Alberta for a clash against two teams that heading in had not won and had not lost. The only teams actually in CPL history to start a season with four draws and no wins and no losses. 
And you know what? That record carried on. Benedict Rolls, let's bring him in. He was on that game for us. A record that continued in an entertaining fashion, Benny, as it ended 2-2. Overall, what number out of 10 would you give this contest in terms of its compelling factor? And why? What did you like about this one? Uh, I'll give it a 7. I think it was, it was interesting. You know, four goals. Halifax did very well to come back late in the first half. And uh, and Ali Moussi, as, as you watch on YouTube, just scored a fantastic goal. And he was fantastic in this game, as he usually is. Um and I think, like you said, there's a lot of storylines coming into this game. Will one of these teams finally get their first win? And while it turned out that they didn't, I think both teams are coming away from this one frustrated, but also ambitious. You know, they they know they can do better. They know they should have done better in this game. And I think that'll, that'll few of them coming into the into the coming weeks if it hasn't already. You're a tough marker, Benny. I wouldn't want you to be my teacher. I'm just going to say that. We had, we had great goals. We got controversial refereeing decisions. We got two goals right before halftime. We got a, 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 two teams giving up wins and then going back. Ah, seven out of 10, 70%. I, no, I, I love you for it, but that's a, a tough marker. I thought it was, it was a, it's a tremendous game. In the end, though, uh, as we said, a little bit of a, we'll get into this. It is a definite controversial decision that allowed Cal Calgary to get back into this game as, as Maya Bevan of Cavalry scored from the penalty spot after Kel Lockery was adjudged to be given uh, a handball there. In the end, Bevan steps up and he's had a terrific start to the season. Betty, that's crucial for Calgary that Bevan's flying. Yeah, absolutely. He, he was their, their main man for a lot of last year. I think he played something like 13 games last year and finished second or third in the team in goals. So, when he does play, he's, he's fantastic. And and as he's shown to start this season so far, you know, he's played, what is it, five or six games and, and scored three goals already tied for top of the golden boot race. So he's absolutely crucial to how they play. And, and Calvary needs that consistent goal score, something that they've lacked in the past. And, and, and he's been that so far this season. All right, let's get into this in terms of the two teams. Cavalry opened the scoring. Should have been up 2-0 on, on a stonewall penalty that was fouled up by Mickey Cantab in the box. And the game's probably going to be very difficult to come back at that point for Halifax if they don't. Halifax do get away with that. They don't get the penalty against them. They score two goals right before uh, halftime. Then they concede a soft penalty for themselves. So who, in your opinion, was the team who felt hard done by the most? Who should have won? Uh, I think both teams kind of evened out, I guess. Like you said, Calvary should have had a penalty in the first half. And they maybe shouldn't have had that one in the second half. So I think, in that sense, it was it was pretty even out. But I think overall, I think Cavalry will come away from this game. You know, like you said in the first half, they they could have been up two nothing. They had a, again, Philly made a couple of big saves as well. They could have been up two or three goals in that first half. Uh, I think they'll be more disappointed with with dropping a point than or dropping two points rather than Halifax will. Mm. Um, so I, I say Cavalry. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Certainly being at home as well. And then the ability to be up 2-0 in a game that they could have, you know, probably gone on to win with their home record. You'd expect them to win that. Um, all right. With that, let's go back to Atco Field and hear from the Cavalry boss. Here's the, Tommy Wilden Jr. on the fact that his team have got five draws and he's, and he's pretty much, I think, fair assessment on what was another decent performance. Yeah, I think we were joking. I think we've got between us more ties than I got in my wardrobe. So I think uh, <laughs> he's a terrific man. And, and do you know what I like to see about Patrice is um, he's one of the good guys in football and he's deserving of his opportunity. And I like to see that, you know, he's, he's worked hard in the youth level. He's worked hard at the college level. He's worked on in the League One level. And he's given, you know, and fair play to Halifax, they're given that a chance because, you know, we're all learning the game. You know, we're all given chances in the pro league. So um, they've invested in him and, uh, you know, he's trying to build something there. Uh, they're a good side with tactically some good nuances. And I thought it was a good battle in there. But. 
called it a good battle. I think that was pretty fair. As usual, Tommy, always fair uh, and sporting way to his, you know, his compatriot there, uh, Patrice Geiser. Let's hear from him, a Halifax boss who's now unbeaten in his first five CPL games. I thought it was a game of different tales. They produced a lot of opportunities at the beginning. Then we really took the game back. And where it was heading to, hopefully, for our first win, obviously, unforeseen circumstances happen, which is out of our control in Calgary. And it happened, but it's part of the game. And, you know, for me, we're undefeated. I'm sure Calgary feels the exact same, we're undefeated. A couple of other bounces, it would have been different. So, for me, it's a tough question to answer. I'm going to give politically, say, it's a step in the right direction in the right direction he keeps saying that each week you feel like they're moving to something bigger we'll get into them in a second i want to talk about cavalry though benny because i think this is a bigger story at the moment uh no disrespect to halifax they will get their time and, and i think they are building but cavalry is you know a significant super heavyweight you know challenger every time in the canadian premier league it's not started great for them um let's get into why you know last season from winning positions, they were 14 wins, two draws, and one loss. They get into winning positions for the most part. They won the game, just dropped seven points from losing from winning positions. This year, they've already dropped 10 points from winning positions. They've led in every game. All five games they've led, all five games they've dropped the, the, the lead, and all five games they've drawn. Um, is that a positive to you that they've got them in the winning positions, or is it a concern? Is it a negative? Uh, I think over, overall, I think it's a negative. You know, you said they've they, they haven't historically been dropping points from many positions, but I think when you look at some of these games this season, where they've, they've where they've taken the lead, like they've taken the lead in Hamilton, they've taken the lead at Starley Stadium, and th those are positives, but when you're at home and you're playing Halifax and you're playing Valor, teams who, you know, your fans and, and your team are, are expecting to beat, I think, uh, I think that that's probably a negative when, uh, in, in the grand scheme of things, when, as I said in the first half, you know, there was, there was seconds left in that first half, and they conceded two goals to, to go down, and they were up one nothing. so... Um, I think it's just something that we've seen with Halifax this season as well is is just that ability to just close out halves and 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 sort of keep your composure, I guess, in the big moments. Yeah, they they're missing big players, Calvary too. Shamit Shomi midfield, I thought was great to start the season. Cal Montgomery, um, I think it sounds like maybe four four weeks at least with him. So we'll see. They need to get back. Uh, Montgomery's key. Um, they give up they give it up presence as goals. So far too many goals to give away, which is unlike them. Um, but they are getting in the positions to win games, uh, and I think that is certainly something that they'll be they'll be feeling very confident about. They're just going to get that win. Um, here is Maya Bevan after the game. We talked about him earlier and what it was like to step up in a crucial moment to get that goal that allowed them to get the draw. I mean, it's always it's always tough. You know, the, um, the boys they come and give me all sorts before I'm about to take the pin. But I just had to keep composure. We were I practiced that quite a lot, so I just had to go back to the training park and yeah, happy at winning and then hope. We could go again after that, you know, but it was what it was. It was what it was, but he was able to finish it. And if he stays healthy, as we alluded to earlier, particularly without Joe Mason and Camargo really not getting going yet in that number 10 position, if he can keep getting goals and banging them in at a rate, Calvary certainly will climb up the standings. Let's talk about Halifax. Impressive again, resilient again. We use those words almost every week, finding a way to get points. Um, is it early or too soon, Benny, to start thinking this is a real serious playoff contender? Uh, I think they're a contender. I think you know, they, they've shown that they have the ability to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with some of the best teams in this league. And, and I think the, the next step for them is, is they keep saying, you know, it's a step in the right direction. Now they need, to, they need to show it. They need to get that first win. They, they have a big chance to do that this weekend, I think, at home uh, against, against a struggling York United team. And I think you know, they, they need to stop saying that they, they're taking that next step and, and actually make that next step and, and get that first victory and, and start sort of moving up the standings. 
yeah, you see, we're, we're we are. I think we're seeing notable improvements in players that we that we had last year at the league as well, which says a lot for me about what Patrice is doing. I look at someone, for example, like Zach Fernandez, who was very good again. I thought Weston Mateo came on the second half. Rampersad's been absolutely terrific. Um, there's lots of examples of good players there. I felt for Kel Lockery as well with that decision. Uh, it's nicely companion there. And another player who's been playing well is Mohamed Omar. Here's his thoughts after this game. Yeah, I mean, I think it's massive. Uh, anytime you get to play in front of your home fans, uh, it's a really special feeling. And, you know, it's no secret that <clears throat> our fans in Halifax are unlike any other fan base in this league. And we're so proud and unbelievably privileged to play in front of them uh, as many times as we do. So we'll just be looking forward to, to Saturday now when we welcome uh, another opposition side to the grounds. And, you know, we know our fan base is going to be rocking behind us. And, now it's just up to us to, to go out and put in another performance. And, um, you know, this time, hopefully we can uh, secure a better result. Play that clip because Omar is looking ahead already to York United. Uh, final question for you, Benny. What's on tap for both these two teams? And what do you expect uh, to, to, to see out of these two teams next week in week six? Yeah, Halifax are at home against York United. That's the, the 20th match of the week. That'll be an exciting one. They're back in front of their home fans who, who always propel them to better things. Uh, Yorker team that are, are struggling a little bit at the moment. They'll be keen to, to show up for this game and, and get a big point on the road as well. Uh, so that'll be an exciting one there. And then uh, in, in Calgary, Calgary hosting Atletico Ottawa at Atletico Field. Um, that's a game that, you know, last season, I think Ottawa won 3-0 both times. They visited uh, Atletico Field. So they'll, they'll be keen to repeat that after a big week that they had. And, and Calgary will be looking to, to prevent that from happening and, and pick up that first win of the season in front of their home fans as well. Should be fantastic. Certainly a great way to end week six uh, with, with Cavalry taking on Atletico Ottawa. Uh, Benny, you'll be all over the games as usual. We appreciate you. Campio.ca is where you can catch Benny and we'll chat with you next week. We continue here on the newsroom presented by Volkswagen for the fourth game out of four. And trust me, we didn't leave the worst to last. It was another standout performance from Pacific FC as they dismantled York United with another game by four, winning by another game by four goals to one. Let's bring in our West Coast correspondent, Alex Ganguruzic, on this one. Uh, we've been asking the numbers for the overall compelling factor in a game. I'm a, I'm expecting a high one from you on this. I know you appreciate good attacking football, Alex. What did you like about this one? What number did you go with? Yeah, I'm going to go eight because, yeah, you got it right. I love goals. I'm an attacker at heart. And I think I'd done the math heading into this week. The four games I covered only had five goals. So we matched the total today. You would we'll do. <laughs> I was doing a, an offensive explosion. So, yeah, honestly, it was it was a very interesting matchup. I mean, Pacific, the way they're playing right now, it doesn't get much better. Just free-flowing, high-flying, uh, you know, the depth everyone they've got is contributing across the board. And you know, on the other side, I thought York did very well in the second half to make a game of it at halftime. Uh, you know, it felt like it was already game over as 2-0 the way Pacific were playing. And then York scores this goal and all of a sudden they were the better team for 10, 20, 25 minutes. Uh, you know, Emil Gazdov here maybe wanted a, a goal he wanted back, but then he bounced back, made some huge saves. And then Pacific's uh, attacking depth, basically they switched their entire front line and then get a couple goals from uh, attackers that started the game on the bench. And that allows them to get a back-to-back four-to-one victories as they uh, vaulted up from the, the bottom of the goal scoring standings all the way to the top now.
Yeah, as you alluded to off the top of the, of, of the show, though, they're right to the top now because they became the first CPL team to win back-to-back games by four goals to one. Um, we'll get to York. I felt for them a little bit. The scoreline may be flattered Pacific, but it's, it also speaks to York's issues in scoring goals. We'll get to them in a second. Uh, and also uh, what is becoming a real good team performance by Pacific. But before we talk about the collective, let's talk about the individuals. Time for the list of your greats. Who stood out for you? Yeah, I think uh, for, for Pacific, there was a few. I mean, when you have that many goals, that many, you know, attacking performances, it stands out. For me, though, the one who kind of orchestrated it all, and I think, again, I, we, we touched upon it a few weeks ago, it was Sean Young again. He's just, you know, in midfield, his game continues to, to mature. It continues to grow. I think it's telling that, he you know, he had two assists quietly, but, you know, James Merriman took off Manny Aparicio. I think it was around the 60th, 70th minute. We don't see that very often. Obviously, Manny Aparicio played in midweek. You want to give him a rest after he played last week as well. But that speaks to the confidence that Sean Young was able to step into that attacking mid-roll, grabs an assist by the end of the game, and was just, you know, I think he finished with four key passes, a couple of shots. Like He's just everywhere in the final third. And you look at his physical skills and the way he's kind of combined it with his technical skills. He's He's been hard to, to stop when he gets going. And otherwise, on Pacific, I think you, you kind of have to give love to their entire back line just because, Quietly, despite, you know, they've conceded four goals. I think they, they lead the XG against chart by a good amount. And that's, you know, credit to their back four. And I think a guy I'd highlight there is George Makumbilwa. Because I think the, the way he stepped in and is, has won that spot after Bradley Vleet picked up that early injury. And now that Vleet's back, I think it's Makumbilwa's spot to lose. And I think credit has to be done. He's a right footer playing on the left side. Does not look out of place. He can dribble forward. He can defend 1v1. And I think that's been a, a huge plus for, for Pacific. On York's side, I think you do have to give credit to Kevin DeSantos. I think uh, he was, you know, just always dangerous going up against Kunle Dadaluk. That's a tough matchup, and he arguably got the better of it for for most of the match, had some good chances, and, you know, scored the the Olympico, which is always a a nice touch for a winger. So on on York's side, I think DeSantos looks to be someone where if you're going to solve those goal-scoring woes, I think he's going to be someone that helps. Yeah, some good picks there, as usual, from you, AGR. And Young, it was... Uh, fascinating to see his development that at large parts of the game, he was playing more advanced than Manny Aparicio, uh, that they trust him to lead that press and they trust him. And a big part of his goals this season was to get more goals and also assists to be involved in the final third. And he's certainly evolving with that one. Um, yet despite scoring lots of goals as a team, you know, as a coach, you always want more. So here's the thoughts of James Merriman after this one. I think very good goals, well-taken goals. Um, Happy for Brazil and uh, Easton as, all, as well. It was really important, I think, for, for Easton to score that goal today. He had a couple of other half chances. Uh, it was nice for him to take that goal. To be honest, I think we, we, we would challenge ourselves to, to maybe take some more chances, especially a couple of, of great chances in the first half and the second half where we can still, we can still be more clinical because we are creating this many opportunities in, in transition. And I think we... We still have more to come, for sure. But, um, I mean, four goals, you can't say, can't say too much. And it was incredibly hot today. So it's not, it was difficult on the field for the players. I think it got above 25 degrees there in the first hydration breaks of the season as well. HR on campio.ca, you called it a complete offensive performance. Uh, hard to argue with that, by the way. So hit or miss, are Pacific the most comfortable, uh, comfortably playing the most free-flowing football right now in the CPL? I'd have to say so. I think you just have to look at all four goals they scored. I think that was the biggest thing to me is that they were all 
goals straight off the training pitch, so to say. They were controllable. There wasn't any hint of luck. The first goal, just a well-worked set piece, dime on uh, you know Amir Dedic's head. That's what he does. You look at the second goal; it's back to front, right? That you know, I think of that one-two between Makumbuwa and Mane. Makumbuwa breaks the line. Adenaijiri gets cleaned out, but he sacrifices his body to you know draw in the center back. All of a sudden, Young plays Aparicio. Boom! It's right off the training ground. You look at the third goal; the way they you know just played and played. Then all of a sudden, De Janeiro Daniels looks up, shapes for a shot, slides it into the pocket for Brazil. And you know the last one as well. It was a great uh, one-two. Young gets in the box, head up, finds. Ungaro, you have to just look at those goals. They're all team goals. They're all goals where there wasn't a hint of deflection or any anything of that like. And I think you're looking around the league. Uh, there just hasn't been teams that have been able to put together some of those sorts of goals where you, you can see that Pacific, they're starting to get the chemistry. And I think another huge thing as well is that they've just quietly been able to rotate their front line and adjust to opponents. Like, I think the fact that we've seen a lot of Ungaro to begin games and you know, maybe it wasn't working. So they go at Anijah Reed up front a little more. False nine, he drops in, he draws players in. They, they start with Mane and, and Hurd on the wings. And then casually by the end of the game, you got the entire new front line, right? It was Brazao, Daniels, Ongaro. And Daniels gets an assist. Ongaro gets a goal. Brazao gets a goal. It's a completely different front line. That's tough to defend because you're, you're getting different profiles. You're getting different players. And it's all just clicking right now for Pacific. There's a lot of things in sport that you can debate. And there's very few things that you can say that is absolute fact. One thing that I think we can say is absolute fact is over the last few years, the deepest, most talented squad in the CPL has been Forge. Every year. Every year. Atletico Ottawa won the regular season. Fine, you were a better team during the regular season. You deserved it. Deeper squad? No. Absolute fact. And Forge have always had the deeper squad. We talked earlier on in the show about their substitutes and bringing on the likes of Schwanier and Ajabrapur and Polku uh, and Pasias. That squad is incredibly deep again. But if any team can deep, can go and challenge them, it's this this team because of how deep they are. You know, Adonijah Reed was terrific again. Uh, and then what do you do? You bring on Ongaro. He gets the goal. Stefan Yates comes on. A terrific midfielder in a very good midfield. He's battling for playing time. Pierre Lamar's not even played yet. You know, they, they've, they've got a lot of depth there. You talked about it. McCumbler and, you know, the, like, the likes of Vliet battling on the fullbacks. If they can get their goalkeeper on form and sort it out, then they maybe they can they, they can be a challenger, but they're really really impressive right now with their depth. It's it, it's it's exciting, really exciting. And that second goal that Aparicio scored, one of the best team goals you're going to see all year, no doubt about it. Um, what about York? Before actually, before we hear from you, I think we should hear from Martin Nash because I think he puts it pretty well as well. Let's go back to Starlight Stadium and hear from the the, the visiting gaffer. Is Martin Nash of, of York United? I think in both games, in some ways. When we're pushing forward, we're going with reckless abandon instead of making sure we're doing the same things and we go forward to keep numbers behind the ball that so we don't get caught out. Um, so it's something we'll have to reiterate. And uh, we did well for most of the game, but uh, we didn't protect against the counter late in the game. And uh, guys were out of position. And um, yeah, there's a few things I'd like to see the goals back again. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, it wasn't good enough. Martin Nash, pretty honest as usual. He talked there about the conceding of goals, but I think the issue is that they can't score goals, uh, particularly when they have their moments in the game. You alluded to it at the start of the second half. They were very good. I think their XG is now over six and a half. They've got three goals this season. Uh, is that their biggest concern? Obviously, the injuries as well, AGR. It has to be. I think the big thing is you look through five games, 
zero goals for Brian Wright and Azazi Di Rosario. And I think I saw this stat yesterday and almost fell out of my chair when I saw it. I think between the combined two of them, I think it's nine big chances they've missed this year. Wow. Uh, it's something like that. It's obscene. I don't think anyone else in the league's missed more than uh, two or, or something like that. It was, uh, you know, ridiculous. And I think that's a huge, you know, problem just in a sense because you look at the injuries to the back line. It's not been easy for them back there. You're out constantly. You've seen Paris G in there. Brett Sumaro, maybe not his natural position. Roger Thompson came back, but, you know, ended up getting an injury right away. It's been tough for their back line. And I think one way to alleviate pressure on a makeshift back line is to score goals, to be on the front foot. And, you know, to, York has been on the front foot in games, but then when you don't score a goal, kind of gets your head, are we going to score? Are we going to score? All of a sudden you have one in the back of your net and it can snowball, right, in a game like this. And, you know, I, I think that's the big issue for them is just can you get those goals to alleviate some of the, that pressure on your team? And I think the big thing that also stood out when I was doing some, some research yesterday in five games, they've only scored the first goal once. They won that game 1-0. Like, yeah. just shows how big of a difference it would be to get one in, to get the confidence. Because uh, I, I think, you know, you look in games, they've defended well for, for portions, but it just feels like when, you know, that, that goal doesn't come, that pressure gets to them, and all of a sudden they, they, they crack like they did in this game. Yeah, their record over the last few years when Mobile is not played for them, coming back from losing positions, is horrendous. When he has played for them, it's remarkable. That's uh, that, that, that's just something to keep an eye on. One thing for them, though, is that they didn't start last season well, and then they got on a roll. And with five teams to get in the playoffs, that's still something that should be on their mind. And maybe that was on their mind of their captain and goalkeeper, Nico Giantsopoulos, after this one. It's got to be better, but... Uh... It's still early in the season. I mean, it's not like we're giving up. We're still confident in the group you have. You're right. We've got a good team. Uh, we get guys right in those little moments. If, if we take advantage of them later on in the season, uh, score lines and points will be different. But uh, obviously right now it's not happening. Yeah, Zazi Di Rosario, Brian Wright. Maybe they need Mo Babuli, who's apparently a couple of weeks away still. And and Jeremy Gagnon Laparez played one game, right? Elijah Adekubi started two games. You know, there's a there's a lot of concerns to try and get those guys back on, but a full hit, you know, full fit best eleven. Maybe they can certainly start challenging again. All right, last question, AGR. What's next for these two? Uh, and how big is it next week for York United? Yeah, it's huge for both teams. I guess to start with York. It's a trip to Halifax. It's uh, you know those, those you know Wanderers grounds. It's a tough away uh, venue. I mean, on on one side you got that. On the flip side, you got a Halifax team that hasn't won yet. So maybe this is a chance to to you know get some points on the board and and continue to frustrate Halifax. Either way, that's going to be a tough game. The way Halifax play, the free flowing uh, nature, York will, will look to just get some points on the board because they need it. As for Pacific, it, it, you know it's a test with Valor, and I think that's going to be a fun one away because. That's, you know, teams number two and number three in the league. It's, a, you know, a bit of a top-of-the-table clash. It's Valor's been playing great. They're always great at home. But as someone pointed out yesterday, I think it was, it was, you know, Oliver Platt on the broadcast, this Pacific team, maybe in past years, they loved playing on their narrow pitch at Starlight because, of you know, they're just compact. They close down space. Now with the attacking talent they have, a trip to an IG field that's a bit wider, a bit more spacious, you want, you know, some attackers like Brazau and, uh, you know, Reed and, and, and Salouf, who didn't even see the field in this game, that extra bit of, you know, yard of space could end up helping them massively. So that's going to be a, a fun matchup there before, of course, uh, Ferryside Derby against the Whitecaps looms at home in, in, in just, uh, you know, I think nine days time. 
Yeah, a few days after that, and you mentioned it, the big pitch certainly helped in Ottawa as well. Their only other road trip so far this season where they went and 1-4-1 as well. As well. So that should be exciting. Looking forward to that. AGR, continue the great work, my man. World Soccer and, of course, Campia.ca. And we'll speak to you next week. Thanks very much to Alex. Take a look at the standings now through week five in the Canadian Premier League. And it's starting to become quite clear uh, that the best two teams at the top are at the top. And, you know, at the moment... Forge on 11, Pacific on 10 are pulling away from a very, very close crap after that with Valor on 6, Atletico Ottawa 5, Vancouver FC 5, Cavalry 5, and Halifax 5. That's right, four teams all on 5, and York United only just behind them on 3, although their minus 6 goal difference certainly looms large as well. But a close group there after the top two of class teams are starting to break away at the moment. Let's take a look at the Week 6 schedule ahead of us. Then next week, the kicks off again in Hamilton on Friday night. That's a Friday night clash. We always love the three games and the three days uh, games because for me, it really stretches the season across the board. And Hamilton, Forge of Hamilton take on Vancouver Football Club live, of course, on one soccer at 7 o'clock Eastern time on Friday. Two back-to-back games. Halifax Wanderers take on York United in the Tony Bet match of the week, followed by Vala taking on Pacific. That's a Saturday doubleheader on One Soccer. That should be fun. I'll be join, joining Gareth Wheeler and Jordan Wilson for that one. And then on Sunday, a great way to finish at Atco Field, Spruce Meadows as Cavalry take on Atletico Ottawa. Two heavyweights in that one. Should be fantastic to watch that one as well. But week five is in the books. My thanks to all the correspondents. Thanks to Alexander Ashnode Janssen as well for joining us. It was indeed a record-breaking week. On his left foot, Lucy!